Easy listening to and you are FM 103.7. 17 past 12, Thursday afternoon, means it's finance today as we're joined by Barry Preston. And today, Barry, I wanted to lead off by asking you a question. Yes. Risky investments. Look, these things raise their ugly heads every time we see interest rates falling and falling because most retail investors um, or people that are usually interested in bank deposits and that sort of thing, when bank deposit rates falls or bank account deposits, credit unions and so forth, their rates fall, they look for higher rates. Now, the old saying, the higher the rate, the higher the risk. Very few people say, look, how risky is this? Often it's what rate it is. Now, ASIC, the Australian Securities and Investments Commission, are saying, guys, be wary. Now, yes, we sell risky products, but the people who we sell them to, when I say the word risky, it's risk above cash, risk above bank deposits and so forth. Then you would expect to be getting a higher rate of return. But then we also look at the company that's selling these products. How well is the company known? Great. We only deal with reputable companies, and most of your financial planners would be doing that. However, irrespective, no matter what you do, you should be looking at, do I understand this product? Now, often they issue them with 120, 150 pages of product disclosure statement. They're the regulations, they're the rules, and unfortunately, often these regulations uh, cloud the important parts of the product. So all I can say is, the higher the rate, the higher the risk. Be wary, be warned. There are products out there that are paying high rates of interest. That's great if you get your interest, but you've got to get your money back. Now, Barry, with risky investments, do they seem to be on the rise at the moment? Well, yes and no. They're always there, but it's harder to sell when the rates, uh, bank rates are up or building society rates are up. But it's easier to sell when the rates are down and they can offer you a little bit more. Look, we can offer you 9%, 10% on this one, and it's guaranteed. When you hear the word it's guaranteed, be very cautious. I would suggest it may not be guaranteed. What is a guarantee? What is a guarantee? Ever heard of these lifetime guarantees? I think they're about 20 years. Mm. Or, you know, it's guaranteed for the life of the product. Now, how long is the product going to last? Be very careful. Make sure if you're buying a product, a financial product, that you understand it. If you don't understand it, don't touch it. Now, we might get you to bring us up to speed with commodities. Most certainly will. Uh, Interesting. Um, Gold hasn't changed that much. It's $1,722 an ounce, down about $16 Australian for the week. Silver, very little change on that one, $33.36 an ounce. Copper, copper's down about $120 for the week to $7,986 Australian per tonne. Nickel, down about $800 to $17,229 per tonne. Tin down three hundred and six dollars to twenty one thousand three hundred and fifty one. Commodities haven't changed that much. A uh, little bit to, to do with the uh, drop in the Australian dollar have brought them down a little bit. The currencies one hundred and two point one seven US cents, and we've heard that it has strengthened a little bit since the unemployment came out. It's about one hundred and two point five cents to the Australian dollar. Uh, that's down about uh, once or oh, half a cent, I think, from last week, which is not very much. The British pence, 63.8, very little change on that one. New Zealand, 125.1 cents New Zealand to the Australian dollar. That's about half a cent uh, better than what it was last week. The euro, 79.5, that's about half a a cent uh, better than what it was last week. And the Canadian dollar, 100.44 cents. The change on that one was about 0.5 
0.4 also. So there's very little change in the currency, even though we hear often that the Australian dollar's falling. Um, if you were heading to Fiji, you'd get about a dollar. 81 Fijian for your Australian dollar. The markets, our market is one of the few that was up for the week. 83 points or 1.86 to 4,541. The Dow uh, had a bit of a hiccup last night over the week. It's down 150 to 13,344 or about 1.1%. The Nasdaq, the tech-heavy Nasdaq in America, down about uh, 2% to 3,051. The UK FTSE down slightly 1.56% over the week to 5,776. The Japanese Nikkei down about 1.8% to 8,596. The Hong Kong market was up a huge amount of 0.2%, would you believe, to 20,990. Interesting, oil, West Texas Intermediate, Australian value we're talking about here, the US uh, oil, $89.28, that's up about $3 per barrel, Australian, and the Australian oil, $116.6, that's up just under $4 per barrel. And uh, the oil, mm, we've had a bit of a hiccup here with the oil. Uh, it looks as though it's up about 7.3 cents per litre to about 153 for unleaded. Uh, and the Central Coast, about 152.4, that's up about 8.3 cents per litre. Diesel, very little change in respect to that, 151.7. Newcastle, 151.9 on the Central Coast. Sydney, petrol down there, up about 5.8 cents per litre to 144.6. And diesel, very little change in diesel down there, about 0.4 of 1%. Now, interesting, if I look at the oil prices and the currency over the last four or five weeks, there has been, yes, a slight increase of about... um, um, three or four dollars over the last week. Now, I did some back calculations with the currencies and so forth. For the petrol to go up 7.3 cents per litre in Newcastle, it would have needed $11 per barrel Australian increase. Now, that just hasn't happened. I'm looking at raw calculations. I still don't understand how it's calculated, but then again, somebody must know. <laughs> We'll take a short break. We certainly will, and then we'll have Henry and just see what's happening in the world and locals. And uh, we've got our uh, special guest today, Diane Jones from Centrelink, to bring us up to date with some uh, Centrelink news. It's all ahead of you this afternoon. Finance Today, Barry Preston at 2 in your RFM, 24 past midday. And it is finance today as we continue with Barry Preston and a regular guest for us. Our uh, happy regular guest, uh, Henry Jennings. And before Hello, we, Barry. how are you today, Henry? Oh, good, thank you. How Fantastic. I'll just get our little ad out of the way. I know you love this. I love that. Comments made during our program are for general discussion. You must always seek your own financial advice and a Product disclosure statement should be obtained and considered before obtaining a financial product. Staff associated with Pritchard and Partners or Cameron Stockbrokers may hold or trade shares in companies mentioned on this program. Finance Services Licence Pritchard's is 246712 and Cameron's 246705. And this will be the last time we'll be mentioning Cameron's on Monday. I think we're talking with BBY Stockbrokers. Is that right? You will be, yes. Mm. We Cameras has been taken over. Mm. We will be BBY. BBY. Whoops. That's good. I like that. Interesting. Henry, many years' experience in the financial markets. Let's bring things up to date. Now, first of all, good news out there. There's plenty. Um, I don't know if there's plenty, but nothing really much has changed, I guess, since last week. The uh, the markets have got a little bit soggier in places with, on the back of uh, problems in Zombieland or Europe, as I 
as I like to call Europe. Um, but, um, yeah, it's a little bit soggier. The, the U.S. reporting season has started, and uh, first cab off the rank was Alcoa, which is a perennial disappointment to one and all. So uh, it didn't disappoint this time. It was once again disappointing. <laughs> so um, so the U.S. market had a bit of a fall last night. We've, we've hit the 4,500 level and, and just sort of eased back a little bit. Um, so, you know, the markets uh, have been quite uh, quite buoyant considering but uh, just a little bit of consolidation taking place. Let's hope, it's, let's hope it's only consolidation. Now, Chinese, yeah. I read somewhere where the Chinese may be stalking one of our vegetable and f- fruit wholesalers, Moriartis Group. Is this correct? It look, does look that way, yes. Uh, um, Moriartis Group, uh, which sounds like some uh, something from a uh, Sherlock Holmes uh, novel, um, is one of the, uh, the nation's biggest wholesalers of uh, fruit and veggies, mainly potatoes, and it looks like the Chinese are um, have come stalking. Uh, it's owned at the moment by the family, uh, 50% and a private equity uh, partner, and the Chinese are looking to uh, take over um, part of the business, probably from the private equity guys, valuing it at around $200 million. So um, mm. I guess that's, uh, that'll be good news for the uh, good news for the family. And uh, they're big suppliers to Woolworths and Coles and the they rest of them? They are indeed. They are indeed. Mm. A lot of potatoes. Um, and some hydroponic tomatoes, onions and bananas, I believe. So, mm, yes. Interesting. Yeah. So interesting, yeah. That's be the first time we've seen sort of that sort of investment by the Chinese. Some great news. Telstra business seems to be growing. Mobile phones up, internet subscriptions up, downloads up, mobile up, data loads. I got this all wrong. I can see that. They're all up. <laughs> Everything's up. Everything's up. I think, uh, you know, you've only got to walk around the streets these days and, and notice that everybody, uh, myself included, has got their head buried in their, uh, their smartphone whenever they get a chance. Um, you know, we're seeing the, uh, the 4G network rolled out by Telstra and, you know, it, it's become pretty apparent they do have the best network and we all are addicted to our smartphones and we're using more and more data and as the, uh, as the data feed speeds, uh, you know, they get better and better. Uh, with this 4G, I think we're going to get even more and more addicted to uh, downloading content, which is good news for Telstra. Um, you know, and Telstra is still a, a pretty much a class act, um, in my opinion. So um, it's 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 going well. Westpac looking towards Asia for investments. Uh, they are, they are. They've uh, they've indicated that uh, that they will be uh, pushing ahead under the uh, institutional bank, which is run by a guy called Rob Whitfield, and it's going to be significantly up, uh, uh, ramping up its returns and its uh, look towards Asia. Um, so, yeah, I guess. I mean, we've already got AMZ engaging very much so with Asia and seeing that as their uh, as their expansion path. And I guess uh, Westpac now have had a little look and worked out that maybe the local economy isn't going to provide the uh, the golden goose that they had in the past, and that they need to uh, to look elsewhere. Um, and Asia is the obvious uh, target there, I guess. For them. I'd stay in Australia because we have a huge population. You know. No, I should, anyway, that's another. Well, one. we do. Yeah. Well, some of us are huge. I challenges. I do have challenges. I have always had challenges understanding how brambles keep track of its pallets <laughs> throughout the world for goodness sake because you go around the countryside you see these pallets stacked up uh, they're either with fowls nesting on them or whatever uh, i think uh you know there, there was a few years ago there was uh brambles had a big uh, big problem and they counted all the pallets and they realized they had a million that they couldn't actually find and they'd gone missing um and the share price suffered accordingly but i, I guess nowadays the uh, the guys that run these businesses are getting far better at tracking them with uh, with things like uh, you know the chips that they embed in things and all that sort of thing. But it's still a, you're right; it does amaze me. I, I'm forever seeing you know, big wooden pallets. I have a friend actually who's uh, been investigating uh, replacing the wooden ones and the steel ones with uh, with a sort of a polystyrene polymer, which is much stronger.
mm. much more durable and obviously much lighter as well. A lot of the foul houses around the country won't be happy about that. But any BBG, uh, Billabong, the saga continues. Now, poor old had, have they found a suitor yet? No, they have not found a wet suitor at all. <laughs> um, they seem to have. Uh, they seem to be having some problems with their uh, with their wet suitor. TPG came calling at their door and offered them a dollar forty-five, which was a long way shy of the price they'd previously offered. Um, the board told them where to uh, where to go with their surfboard, and as a result, um, TPG have been looking over the figures and have sort of. Um, I'd say it's. They've gone pretty cool, although there's been nothing officially announced. The stock price, which was trading around a dollar thirty-five in anticipation of that dollar forty-five cash bid, uh, has now sunk back down to a dollar. So the market is pretty much saying that the uh, the bidder is going to walk away. We've already had one other bidder that emerged uh, was rumoured to be Bain Capital, uh, Mitt Romney's old uh, old place. Mm-hmm. Um, they they walked away. So uh, obviously, when you look at the books of Billabong, it's a bit more. Um, Worrying than uh, the company oh, yeah. would have you believe. An interesting takeover. The first one was high. They're getting smaller and smaller and smaller. That's not a good takeover. Well, it's and at the moment the market's basically saying that the takeover is going to fail. Yeah. So uh, yeah. that's pretty much um, sort of uh, um, in the price at the moment. If, if I suspect, uh, my money would say that the takeover will go ahead, but that TPG will use whatever information they've gleaned from the due diligence period to uh, readjust the price downwards accordingly. One would think bankers would get the figures correct, but the Bank of Queensland had a small challenge, not enough cash set aside to cover the loan risks. No, poor old Bank of Queensland. They've, they've certainly been uh, been suffering uh, considerably after their results. Um, the stock dropped down from about 8 bucks down to uh, seven twenty. They They seem to be... Uh, um, sort of running a bit short of cash at the moment, um, and it just—I guess—it highlights that the problems that the small banks do have uh, when you're up against the big Goliaths that we have in this country. Mm. Um, you know, they, they have a huge amount of brand power, marketing power, and even today we saw in the unemployment numbers that uh, you know, Queensland is very much uh, uh, bearing the brunt of the uh, in the rise in the unemployment, and obviously that's not good for an institution like Bank of Queensland. Nathan Tingler still having trouble with his companies. Poor old Big Nath. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's your local boy made good, um, or local boy borrowed lots and made good. Um, and he still seems to be having some problems with uh, with his companies, although he has been out of the news for a few days from being sued. Um, it does seem that uh, he is um, you know, struggling cash flow-wise at the moment um, and may need to sell a few more racehorses, I guess. But at least the good news for him is that Whitehaven Coal have picked up. They were sub three bucks. They're now three dollars twenty-four. That's that's his big holding. Um, mm. So you know that at least that's something. Well, that's good. You don't like to hear anyone uh, battling and that sort of thing. Anyway, but, we will be back soon to talk a little bit more about overseas. We're talking with Henry Jennings. It's finance today at two and you are FM with Barry Preston. Now twenty-six to one. Finance Today with Barry Preston. We're talking to Henry Jennings. We've just been around the shores of Australia. We're just about to move overseas. Now, the USA elections are in November. I believe China is changing its administration. Surely this must have an effect on markets. Well, it does. I mean, we're yet to see um, what's going to happen, I guess. Uh, at the moment, uh, Mitt has, uh, looks like he's pulling ahead of Obama following his, uh, his performance on the first presidential debate, so we could have all change in the US uh, with a Republican president, which would make life interesting, and of course China being, uh, we we sometimes forget that China is a pretty secretive uh, country run by a communist party, Um, and uh, sometimes their mandate is is social order, and and this transition that they are uh, making is taking somewhat longer than uh, than the West, I guess, would like, Um, and I don't think we're going to
going to see any stimulus out of China mm. until we do see the transition bedded down, which hopefully will be in the beginning of November, but you never know. Interesting times ahead, but there are always interesting times ahead. You can't have interesting things in the past. International no. Monetary Fund has given some warnings of slower global growth. I suppose the more we talk global, slower global growth, maybe we talk ourselves into slower global growth. That's tongue-twisting. But yeah, is, the, global is the IMF serious when it's saying that the European banks may need to sell $4.5 trillion, and thank goodness for the word instead of the figures, in assets? Yeah. Now, where are they going to sell them? Who's going to buy them? Not really sure, to be honest, Barry. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure somebody's going to have to uh, to stump up the money. But uh, I mean, the IMF has not got a great track record in forecasting things. They do tend to be a little bit behind the curb. But um, they are saying that they've got to sell four and a half trillion in assets. Um, if um, if policymakers don't, I mean, this is the the key word, I guess, is that they don't stem the crisis, um, and that they think that you know the, the major economies that are going to be hurt in Greece, uh, Cyprus, uh, Italy, Ireland, Portugal, and Spain, all those ones are going to be the ones that bear the brunt of this. But but I'm not really sure who they're going to sell the four and a half billion uh, trillion dollars worth of assets to, as you say. Yeah, we had a look in, no, We had a look at our petty cash tin the other day. Yeah. We just didn't quite make it. China yeah. injected some funny money into its economy. I believe this is the second biggest injection. Um, yeah, China's uh, had a week long. Uh, holiday last week and they injected a whole heap of money into their economy before the holiday um, and they've also injected some more in in the last day or so um, you know they have pretty much been trying to stabilize their economy at the moment you know we've seen growth fall from uh, you know the uh, the low teens well you know 10 11 12s i guess um, down towards the seven and a half which is their official target but i i think it's a little bit worrying um, if it starts to slide a little bit below that so they need they need to uh, on one hand uh, ensure that the property market doesn't inflate like it did last time they injected huge amounts of money into their economy mm. uh, but also to uh, to stop the rot this is news the banks in spain don't have enough money to pay out is this correct <laughs> well i think one of the problems with europe at the moment is that uh, anybody that has any euros in spain or greece or any of these peripheral nations that are in serious problems is uh, is getting their money out of the banks uh, and into uh, somewhere safe one of those safe havens has been uh, something like the london property market which has seen some pretty good gains over there as mm. uh, euros have uh, been sucked into the uk um, also banks in of all places andorra which i went skiing in about 30 years ago um tiny little principality um is that they are sucking in Spanish money at the moment like there's no tomorrow. Mm. It's, uh, it's a tax haven. It's about the size of, uh, of Parramatta. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, not the, not the biggest country in the world, but they are certainly sucking in a lot of Spanish money. And, and as a result, there is this uh, outflow from uh, Spanish banks, which is not a good sign. Gold, last but not least. I believe the Chinese are encouraged to buy gold. I believe they're not allowed to export it. Gold is still slowly rising, then it has a bit of a hiccup. It, uh, yeah, the, I mean, the underlying strength of gold is, is undoubtedly there. The world is printing more money. Um, there are a few websites that I read that have conspiracy theories and a few newsletters suggesting that, uh, that the Chinese buying of gold quietly and the hoarding of gold and the not, not allowing it to be exported is a, is a global, uh, is a plan by the Chinese for global domination um, when the whole of the, uh, what they call fiat money, which is money that isn't backed by anything apart from a piece of paper, um, it is eroded and collapses. So, um, mm. if you want to go and um, <laughs> if you want to go and look at some conspiracy sites, uh, that's the, uh, the theory that the Chinese are hoarding gold, buying gold quietly, so that when money collapses, uh, gold will rise.
years and any losses they make on their US treasuries will be more than up, uh, you know, more than taken account for by the fact they're going to clean up on gold. Sky News win again. Uh, Sky News, uh, I'm on twice next week. I'm on Thursday afternoon and I'm on Friday afternoon for the Wham Bam Thank You Ma'am show. What time, roughly? 4.30 on Thursday, 5.30 on Friday. Fantastic. But I'll be under the name of BBY then, not, not Cameron's. Burke's Backyard. Okay, well, Henry, on behalf of everyone at 2NURFM 103.7, thank you very much indeed. See you Pleasure next week. As always, Barry. Thanks. It's Finance Today with Barry Preston at 2NURFM 18 to 1. Newcastle and the Hutter Valleys, 2 and URFM 103.7. It's 14 to 1. It's a Thursday afternoon with Finance Today. Barry Preston and a very special guest, Barry. Certainly a very special guest, well known to us all, Diane Jones from the Department of Human Services at Centrelink with over 21 years' experience. How are you, Diane? I'm very well, thank you, Barry. Always wonderful music that you play. Isn't it fantastic? It is. It is, really. I, I tell you, it's, one of, it's the best. It is the best. Let's get into this quickly. Now, look, I want to concentrate today on the assets test. I know our, uh, our, the pensions have risen recently. Do you want to just mention those quickly? Yeah. Um, 20th of March and 20th of September each year, the uh, rates of pension, so age pension and disability pension and, and carers, um, increase in line with indexation. So I just want to run through those figures. Single pensioners um, have had an increase of $17.10 a fortnight and couples... Uh, combined $25.80 a fortnight. So what we call the base pension plus the supplement, the full pension seven, uh, $772.60 a fortnight. Uh, singles, couples, $582.40 a fortnight each is the maximum rate. Right, so they're the latest ones. Yeah, the, the latest mm-hmm. figures. And um, uh, 20th of March, there will be a, a further change, but these are the, the most recent figures. Okay, assets test limits. Now, this can be a little bit daunting for some, but let's have a look at it. What is the latest in the sector of assets testing? Yeah. Not everybody receives um, the full pension because the amount of pension does depend on assets and um, income, and we always use the test that results in the, the lower rate. Um, the cut-off limit um, has risen because pension rates have gone up and we're often finding that there are self-funded uh, people in the community that uh, maybe their savings have reduced and they're now under the limit and they should be lodging a claim with us um, for some pension payments. So for single people who are homeowners, the cut-off for no pension at all is assets of 707750 and for couples, their combined assets to get at least a dollar of pension need to be under a million and fifty thousand. So we regularly find some people who have been self-funded and not realising that the, the limits have increased and that they should be checking with us to see whether they should be lodging a pension application. So people, self-funded retirees, should always check to make sure that they do receive the benefits that they're entitled to because having paid taxes... That's where the money comes from, the taxpayer. Yeah, and we know that many people value um, having a pension concession card, so keeping track of your assets and and the common sorts of things, your home's not included as part of your assets, Mm -hmm. but your investments, superannuation if you're over age, pension age, savings, shares, second-hand value of your car and furniture, all of those things are included as part of your assets. Okay, now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to dispose of some of my assets. Now, what's this all about? All right. 
there's a set of rules that we call, or most people call, the gifting rules. And that means if you give away assets, um, there are limits and, and that can affect your pension. So there's no rule that say that you can't give away money. It's just whether if you exceed the limit that that's going to be included as part of your assets um, for working out whether you're entitled to Centrelink payments. Now, giving, selling, whatever, does it include transferring assets? What happens if, let's assume I've got, uh, uh, this is a silly example, but let's assume I've got a block of gold that's worth $30,000 and I'm going to give it to my family for $10,000. Yeah. Uh, You've, you've, given a, you've given away an asset for less than its true market value. So the difference... Um, is what's counted as a gift, and the allowable limits um, are up to 10000 in a financial year, in a single financial year. And there's a second part of the rule that um, if you give away more than 30000 over a five-year period, you've also exceeded the allowable limits. Oh, that's interesting. So um, you say it's 10000 in a year? In a single financial year, so... Right. Financial year, first of July to the thirtieth of June. Okay. Up to ten thousand is not included as your assets, and if right. you exceed that limit in a single financial year, right. the excess is still counted as part of your assets, and we deem or presume an interest rate still got for it. five mm. years. Right. Now, next year I give another ten thousand dollars, and the following year I give another ten thousand dollars. Now I'm in the fourth year and I give another ten thousand dollars. What happens there? In so that fourth year you've exceeded the thirty thousand um, over the five years. Right. So I just can't. So what I'll do is, and I'll try and get under this because everyone's uh, trying to get the best value they can. I'll give six thousand dollars a year over five years. How's yeah. that treated? And and again, you haven't exceeded the ten thousand in a single year, and you haven't exceeded the thirty thousand over a five-year period. Uh-huh. Well within the limits. There. Fair enough. Now. Okay, now, it, and it's not only just cash, is it? No, it, it um, you know, some people give away a car to children, grandchildren. It's the value of what you've given away, whether it's cash or, or a block of land. Um, any of those things are included um, under that. Moving money between couples, so from husband to wife, that's never counted as a gift. Spending money on yourself, having a holiday, buying some new furniture or repairing a home, none of those things are counted as disposing of your assets. They're all normal things that are well within the, the limits. Okay. We're talking with Diane Jones, who is uh, a financial information services officer at the Department of Human Services. We'll be back in a moment to find out some more information concerning Centrelink matters. It's Finance Today with Barry Preston at 2 and URFM, 8 to 1. We're at 6 to 1. Finance today, Barry Preston and a special guest at 2 in URFM. With Diane Jones, Financial Information Services Officer with the Department of Human Services. Still on this gifting, there's some little technical things I'd like to bring up, Diane. Now, what about if I give money to a charity? That still comes within the, the allowable gifting limit, so it's still that uh, total um, of 10000 in a right. single financial year. And we often get the question, um, people who've got uh, quite a number of children um, ask us, well, does that mean I can give 10000 to each child? And the answer is no, it's the total, um, the 10000 limit. I have a, let's assume I've got a trust company or a companies uh, where me and my partner are really not the controller of the trust company and we give money to that. Is that a problem? Can be? Yeah. When... Um, uh, 
again, um, if you've been involved in a private company or a family trust and you give away your share of the money in it, that also comes under the gifting rules. And um, also important to note that those who are getting close to retirement and, and applying for Centrelink payments, any amounts that you give away in the five years immediately before you claim a payment through Centrelink can also be counted in in your assets if you've exceeded that 10,000 limit in a financial year. It's very interesting to know the rules on these things, isn't it? Mm. We also explain to, to mm. people that if you want to help out your, your family, then these limits apply that you, know, you won't necessarily lose any pension. But giving away money just to receive more on the pension doesn't make a, a lot of financial sense. Now, the extra pension by giving away $10,000 at most is an extra $390 a year on the um, age pension. And it's certainly possible to earn more than that in interest in very secure investments um, than the extra pension that you're going to, you may gain by giving that money. Well, just at 4%, uh, there's $400 for a start, isn't it? And we can usually get 4% at the moment. So one must look at the full aspects of it. And the good idea is to talk to you guys. That's right. That's where our financial information service officers are here on our our phone lines and and face-to-face, I guess. Help people understand their options before they go ahead and um, I guess many people want to help out their family but understanding the implications of that. Most important. Now, very, very quickly, we're nearly running out of time. The old pension bonus scheme, that has ceased now, hasn't it? But it's still in operation for people who have registered. And we're getting um, quite a few people coming up to retirement. So it was a scheme that allowed people who continued to work and didn't claim an age pension to uh, earn a tax-free lump sum when they did retire and claim the age pension. Now, you had to be age pension age before the 20th of September 2009. And what we point out to people, that the amount of any bonus depends on your rate of age pension when you do claim with us. So it's a good idea to speak to our financial information service officers a couple of months before retirement so we can help with information about investment options and how they're treated by Centrelink so that you know what to expect when you do claim the age pension and the bonus. And if you have a partner and the partner hasn't been working, that partner can be included in it too, I believe. Is as, that correct? That's correct. As long as mm. they were age pension age before the 20th of September 2009. Fantastic. Diane, on behalf of everyone at 2NUR, 2NUR FM 103.7, thank you very much indeed. Won't be long. We'll have you back telling us more about things at Centrelink. Thank you. It's always a pleasure to talk to your listeners and I always get lots of people afterwards saying, I heard you on 2NURFM. There are a lot of listeners in 2NURFM land out there. (laughs) Thanks, Diane. Okay, very informative as always with Diane Barry. Very much so. Before we tidy up, please, please, please again, people, there are lots of scams on the internet. Remember the basic thing. Mm -hmm. They are contacting you. You are not contacting them. If that's the case, I would suggest that in 99.9% of cases, there could possibly be a scam. So just be aware. Remember, these people, scammers, are very, very professional. They can con you as easy as pie. I have seen it with a couple of close friends. One in particular, she really nearly got conned, the old heartstrings and so forth. Eventually, somebody got to her and convinced her that it was a total scam. But it's so 
easy. We think we look back, we know all the answers. I mean, I get mm. hundreds of these emails a week. I've won billions of dollars in lotteries overseas, and it all seems wow. And uh, also, and one last quick question for yes. you: Banks and financial institutions don't send out emails, do they? Normally, no, 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 and they certainly don't ask for your information over the phone. If you contact them, they'll have the information in front of them, and they'll t- basically ask you what. What are they? You know, they know you. And remember, if somebody does phone you and say, look, phone us back, it's the National Bank, the Westpac, ANZ, whatever the case may be, don't phone that number. Look it up, take time, and get the number yourself because that could be a great con. So remember, be very careful. And what, by the way, these Woolworths um, vouchers that are going around on the internet, that is also a scam. So be very, very careful. Thank you, Barry. And that is Finance Today with Barry Preston. Back again next Thursday here at 2 in URFM.